Human trafficking, one of the largest crimes, exists in every country of our world. A handful of organizations are hard at work rescuing the children, women, and men who have become the victims. This is Rock Against Trafficking, the radio show featuring your host, Gary Miller. Help us build awareness as we talk to musicians, artists, producers, and others in the entertainment industry, showcase their projects, and build awareness to help put an end to human trafficking. Now, here is Gary Miller. Hi, everybody. This is Gary Miller, and welcome to this week's show. I'm very, very interested in the girl that we've interviewing this this um, this week. So, should be so give that a good listen to. Um, some of the great things have happened for Rock Against Trafficking at the moment. Uh, the first single, Rock Sound, is now at number seven in the in the classic rock charts, and then within one day. Jenny's single is out, and that went on the first day at number 42. So I'm very excited about what's going on. There's been so many things going on recently um, for Rock Against Trafficking to create awareness. Teamed up with Ryan Long for the City Summit, which is going very, very well. And we've been offered a TV show, so we've really really been able to get things out there, so we're very excited. Um... Because this this cause is getting is, is getting worse and worse, so we need um, we need all the help we can get. So I'm Gary Miller on and it's RockAgainstTrafficking.org. So um, here we're going to go into the interview. And I hope you all like it. It's very very interesting. I was living in New York. It was after about a year or two after high school, and I had a boyfriend that I didn't know very well um, and my family when was not really speaking to me at that point because I was a wild child and I was walking to work one day and this man this like very sleazy uh, like he just feel he felt slimy his name is Barry he approached me and he said hi beautiful have you ever been a fetish model do you want to be a fetish model you're so pretty and he like fed me all these compliments and of course they they made me feel kind of good because I wanted to be a rock and roll singer, you know, so I was like, like, fuck yeah, I want to be a fetish model, but I didn't say that. I tried that. Cool. Um, And anyway, so I went to this audition and um, it was for, it was in Brooklyn. It was like in Williamsburg and it was in like a weird warehouse space and it was really a scary environment at first when I went in and there were all these other girls there and they were really pretty and and everybody was like looking at these pictures that were super intense, like, um, like BDSM pictures, but more like girls being like like tortured or like like their vaginas were sewn shut or like <laughs> some of them um and and that was shocking and everybody was like oh, you know girls would walk out when they saw it and i was like oh but i think i was scared right away in a but i get scared next day i don't know were you frightened were you intrigued no i was um frightened but i go into a state of uh i stick when i get frightened i <laughs> i freeze and i um for some reason i don't I put myself in situations sometimes that that are that are surreal and I don't and I don't realize that there's real danger because I, I never think that like it just didn't seem real to me it seemed like you know it was not I didn't think that would ever happen to me and it didn't but <laughs> but it was shocking um but the point is this, so they were trying to overwhelm me with these images and uh and it was scary and so uh, all these other girls that were like really hot they were super hot they were New York girls and they had like big fake boobies and like um they were blonde and like tall and I was like this little alternative I'm not little but I was like this like blue-haired alternative girl who like was super shy and um 
and I thought they would all get it before I did or get, you know, get the attention of whoever was in charge. I don't even remember what I was thinking. But anyway, they all started becoming like shocked and leaving and excusing themselves or the guy would come up to them and say like, you know, ma'am, it's miss. We're not, we're not interested in your type. And then they came to me and they were like, they were just so complimentary. I don't even know what I'm talking about because my dog's making me nervous. Whatever. I ended up being the, um, the last, pretty much the last girl there. And then this man came over and he was like clearly the one in charge and he was, his name was Brent Scott. They called him PD. Um, and he was super charming and he was like very focused and intent on making me feel like I was um, everything he ever wanted in like a model, like a muse. And I think he could read me right away. I'm easy to manipulate, I think. Uh, I like people to say nice things and I believe it when they say it. You know, I think people are good. I don't know. Turns out they're really not that much, man. <laughs> I still have to think that. But um, the entire time that I was like there and for the like this audition that I went to, which was really bold that I even went to that because I was really insecure, even though I, I don't think I came across that way. Um, I was like lightheaded and not like everything felt like, you know, like um, adrenaline rush, kind of like like I knew that I wasn't going to really remember it clearly when I was when I was gone later on. It just felt like I was overwhelmed and um. And everything was going positive and it never really went that positive things like that. You know, usually when you go to auditions, it's like there's a lot of rejection, especially with that, like any, anything, I don't know, at least in my experience. So what kind of things were they making you do at the audition? We did some uh, flexibility tests. <laughs> no, seriously, he was, well, he was trying to, he said, well, do you think that you could you imagine yourself doing any of the things that you've seen in these photos? And, and I was, I'm sure from what I've seen in the videos that I watched recently, I was like very, um, innocent and I and I was I was like well of course but I would say things that I I wanted to be the person that he wanted me to be like instantly instantly he already developed this dynamic with me it was like I mean they were they can spot girls who have had abuse in their life or girls who had daddy issues or girls who have who need acceptance or girls who um who are like just shy and wanting to be like like somebody's favorite for like a minute and he was really good at that he was super good at that so now at this point had they begun filming you yet no, not that first day. Um, I mean, they may have been, somebody may have been taking photos. I didn't really even know, know what they did. Like, as a whole, I, I saw the photos, but I didn't understand anything about what their company was. They just showed extreme BDSM pictures of girls in agony, um, parts of their body in agony. It didn't, there wasn't anything else. Um, and I don't even know, maybe he might have said something else to me, but honestly, I was, I was like overwhelmed and just excited. So I said yes to like coming back. And he said, you know, he offered money, $800 for a photo shoot. Um, less than an hour or something like that and and of course it was like it was exciting so I did that um, and I didn't tell anybody about it either I kept it a secret like I, I fall into these patterns that are so crazy but I didn't want to just in case I didn't get it I didn't want to look like a fucking dummy you know all right we've got to cut to break but don't go anywhere you are not going to believe what happens next This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. This is Rock Against Trafficking with Gary Miller. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also reach out via email to gmillermusic at gmail.com. Now, back to Rock Against Trafficking, the radio show. Welcome back. You're listening to Rock Against Trafficking Radio with Gary Miller. I'm Jamie Gailey, and we're here with Vixen Six, 
who's sharing with us her story of how she was manipulated and tortured at the age of 19. Okay, so this guy coerced you into doing an audition, and at this audition, you were shown pictures of women that had their vaginas sewn shut and other... That was the most extreme one, but yeah. Uh, elements of sounds torture. like pretty extreme methods of torture. Yeah. And he coerced you into doing an audition. There was no, this was not coercing me. At this point, I, he had already said enough compliments and enough things to make me feel like I was special and I was like going to be his muse. So you're, because, you're motivated. Yeah, to I was manipulated. Yes. And uh, to like feel, to feel like I was like, I was like the next thing, the big thing that they were going to like a model that they've been looking for for so long. It's like, a, it's a normal thing that happens to girls when they, when they, you know, get into adult modeling. Yes, yeah, so it's like the glamour shots, the right. glamour shots of, of uh, It's fetish. like POW glamour shots. That's what it's like. It's like, that's what I felt like when I was doing these shows. <laughs> I felt like I, when I would make it to the end, I'm not kidding at all. I felt like I had made it like through and I could be a prisoner of war. That's what I thought. Did you feel accomplished or was it yes. like a traumatic it's well, it's memory. all of the thing, all of that is it's it's all of the above. I mean, it's I feel accomplished because it's over and I'm grateful. You got through it and you survived it. Yeah, and like, I mean, these are twelve hour shoots at times, like um, of like scripted, but just the basic outline was scripted. So you would know you were going to start with one scene, which would be like mine was always endurance, like um, like kneeling on gravel and glass um, with like stalks on for like four hours or like something. shards of glass yeah um but for four hours yeah but he it, he makes every it's not the thing about this that i think uh, tricked me was <laughs> was my own thinking was that it wasn't pornography that i would that i was used to seeing so i thought it wasn't as bad like thinking of if i was to have to tell my family about this i thought well i didn't have sex on camera um it's not pornography i i was trying to think that it was art or it was expression um pushing boundaries like that's what he was trying that's what he was trying to make it seem like that's what it was but and it was it was all of those things it's just i think things changed along the way and he got he got too much power i don't know i mean so it progressively got worse definitely yeah and he also you know he had his favorites and i was his favorite when he start when i started and then a couple shoots down the line um like he he wants he had resident models too um so that meant he paid certain girls that he liked more like they were like his girlfriends and they would be living slaves and like they would have sex with him and get a weekly allowance and do better shoots and things like that so he filmed these at his own residence where he no lived. he had a warehouse space that was huge it was and he had all this he had custom made equipment i mean it's his his business got bigger as i i worked for them um it was like 3 years i think they were only around for like I don't know, they closed down and they got shut down in 2006, I think. But And so this was in the early 2000s? Yeah. Was internet streaming all that available at this time? No, they were, I think, they, if I'm correct, I think they were the first, um, like, major porno pornography, like, site to use live streaming and the chat thing. Um, like, where, I mean, basically it was like listening to a bunch of um, anonymous people yell out while you're being tortured in a scene how they want to see you get hurt or suffer oh, so you could hear the audio oh, of yeah. the listeners that was part of the, the maddening part of it it was it was a lot it was a lot because they would go in waves you know I, I mean everybody's kind of been on like a chatterbait or something like that they've seen like you know webcam stuff where you when things are happening the chat gets more in like a, in like a big like chat room with a lot of people it gets more excitable as things go in a certain direction now, were they typing too, or is this just all audio? No, they're, they're typing, but the computer, like a Siri-type voice was reading it off, but it was like an oh, old-school really? Siri. It was like very robotic. And hey, do you compute? It was horribly scary, because that's like... Oh, wow. Because it would say this the, the screen name, and then it would be like, um, I like sweet sweet Betty suffers so beautifully, you know, and that, they called me Betty. My name was Betty. Um, all the other girls had numbers, except mm. for like one or two of them. Um, 
Is that, is that part of how they uh, dehumanize them by giving them numbers? Yes, it was their audition date, um, which is why I felt so special because they not only gave me a name, but they gave me the name Betty, which was like I had a, you know. Instead of like 43, you had an actual name. Yeah, I had Betty and it was like Betty Page and I had like, that's, of course, that's, he knew, he just knew everything that would like appeal to me because I was very easy for him to read and I probably told him all of it the first day I met him because now, I was so How excited. old was this guy and how old were you at this time? I was 19, um, very young. I was super innocent. Um, I, and he was like in his late 40s, I think. Um, he was a professor, you know, he just, he worked at. Oh, he worked at a, like a college? Yeah, he worked at Carnegie Mellon. He was a professor. Um, what did he teach? I think art. Was he teaching during? No, he got fired or laid off or something. I'm not really. It's it's in his Wikipedia thing. Um, okay. But it, you know he he was not happy with. Um, he he had I don't know if he was narcissistic or if he he was definitely a misogynist. Um, he got fired because of this or um, because of his art. He was doing this like in his. He was doing this far before insects in like his. If you like on the website, it shows like his um his house and his attic was all decked out like a BDSM thing, and he had he had lots of visuals of women um torture visuals like um like you know the medieval times not medieval times like the medieval times of like the, the dark ages like dark, yeah like, <laughs> like the torture racks torture and things like that chambers he he made all those real things with girls and and shot it you know like oh wow like he made the devices the of torture and yes stuff. yeah and and do you know anything about his like his upbringing or anything does is there anything that may have that you know about that may have cued off this well I, he's a switch he's um he's 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 a submissive and um, a dominant. He goes back and forth. Um, and I read that he had an incident when he was young um, where his sisters tied him up and tickled him. Um, this is on his Wikipedia, I think. And, and he came. Um, and, the, and this is a very common like, thing. Maybe not sisters. It could be anything, really. Any female. It's always the women. No. Any, any, female, <laughs> any female influence at a young age, um, even if it's not sexual, it, it can be sexual. And it, and it marks. It's, su it's super intense. It changes everything. There's never a sexual experience like the like ones that you have accidentally when you're a child um, or you're forced or something. You know? I mean, these, are, these mark you forever. So he was, a, he was a victim. or So that was kind of how he defined that type of an interaction as a yeah. young person was by that experience. Well, he, he taught, that's the thing he talks about in interviews. I don't know, um, or he said in this one interview, I'm sure that there's a million other things that he doesn't say just because that's a real innocent, like tickling one. You know, <laughs> I don't know yeah. much about, I don't, talking about him is weird because I, this is just stuff I've read, but he, okay. he did ask me to pee on him once um, and I didn't. <laughs> and I think that caused a lot of actual resentment because I said no, and that's rejection. Um, and things changed after that too. Oh, I thought well, he was joking. of course. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big uh, plateau in a relationship, I would imagine. Well, there, it, but it, it was confusing to me because this is when things changed. Um, he well, was a dominant, like, uh, like all being, all seeing, all knowing. Like in my mind, he was like he was. He went from being a normal man who was charming and smart to being, um, someone I was scared of. Someone I was like. Um, and that all happened when you didn't pee on him no I, I he was trying to approach me for a relationship um and be a resident model and I saw him as a boss and someone I was like trying like a mentor kind of um I'm a Pisces you know I get I get lost in people so I was like I was You're also probably pretty intuitive about people too though yeah and it, it's weird because I liked him a lot and but I mean he was just trying to get information about me to see if he could so okay so this guy you said he was a switch yeah. um did he reverse these roles with you were there times where you were the dominant individual well that's what he was wanting he asked this one time but this is i guess my point is that i didn't even understand bdsm at all at that point what i was i never related or i never assigned myself as a submissive i never felt even though i clearly was in, i mean i'm a people pleaser and i had a, i had a, 
I had a British mother, no offense, but I had a British mother um, who who's we don't like british people here on Rocky no, no we love british people it's just sometimes mothers that are british can be a little cold and a little hard to like live up to their expectations so i spent my whole life like wanting to like make her happy and always being a disappointment and it's like always failing and trying so hard so someone steps in there anybody all you have to do is make me feel like i'm like not good enough and i will leap fucking mountains and <laughs> you don't prove them wrong yeah, but it never, in this kind of situation, it's cycling, it never Super ends. psychology. Yeah, and it, they use that against me, and that's how I am. Who yeah, I am. yeah, 19, you're pretty uh, vulnerable to a lot of those well, yeah, simple yes. mind tricks yeah. that I'm sure that they employed on you left and right. Well, yeah, and I, and I never, I didn't know anything about, like, I didn't think people were being, like, I trusted them to mean what they say and keep me safe, uh, like, have my best intentions in mind, um, not... Uh, Sounds like most people's first experience in Los Angeles. That's what I was thinking the other day, actually. It's very, it's, um, it's just, I let it, it was way intense. It started at torture. So if you start at torture for money, you know, you could only get way worse. Than <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I guess it's setting the bar pretty up there. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. But, um, but I mean, he was, I didn't know, understand BDSM. He didn't understand why I was doing it. He would always ask me, what, why are you doing this? Because. Uh, the money? Well, that's what I thought too. But he said, nobody would do this just for the money because it, I mean, it really... Or is it like a thing of acceptance? Um, I feel like... It's, I mean, I don't finish... I'm not good at finishing things. I've, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of projects. I, um, I come in real strong, and then I lose focus. Um, or I just move on, or I get lazy, whatever. But this was something that, like, I had to finish. I mean, I couldn't... I didn't want to say a safe word because... I didn't, well, he also manipulated with money too. Like he wouldn't let us, um, he would threaten to not pay us if we said a safe word or he would say you. So then yeah. at that point you had gone through all that and then you would right. walk away with nothing. Yes, yes. But I don't know if that would ever happen, but of course nobody ever, well, I'd never even really attempted it. I mean. Didn't you say that there were times when he would give you a bell for the safe thing and that then you would take the time. ringer out? Yeah, or? that was one time. And that was when, um, that was my very last shoot, which was um, when, when I said POW, uh, it was, it was a Chinese water torture was the was the oh idea God. I thought I was gonna is that like waterboarding or is that no, the drip it's thing? the drip thing and in fact the video is called drip um, and I thought this is gonna be so easy because at least I won't be getting caned or whipped or like hurt this will strictly be like something that's I, I, like a piece of cake I guess I thought it was gonna be it like broke how long did it go on I don't even remember it was a couple hours it was supposed to go on a lot longer but he um, it, I, I had progressed into a state of like, I didn't like anything about going to those shoots anymore. And I had moved back to California and I had the last one before the drip video was so, um, it was so out of line and so much worse than anything. I mean, I don't even remember it. And until a couple of weeks ago, I didn't, until I saw the video, like from beginning to end, I didn't even know what had happened. And um, I remembered it differently. Like I remembered it completely different from what it was when I saw it. And so, well, and also some of these videos you said were, were edited to be less um, shocking, correct? Well, yeah, and to edit out liability or um, like this one he edited. I mean, at the end he says something about, oops, I guess I got car I guess I guess got a little carried away with that. And and it, I mean, in this in the end of that one, which is not the drip video, I got a little carried, I got a little carried away myself. He, um, he ignored my safe word um, like 30 times and, and, I, and I lose consciousness. And he continues to do it. It was the most intense thing I've ever seen. And it's, it's crazy because he did it on purpose. And he knew that he was doing it. He mocked me and he was angry at me. And this is all because I rejected him and because I wanted to stop working for them. And um, what was he doing? Well, um, it's like a scene out of like Hostel. Um, 
first of all, the entire thing is really long. I did the gravel and kneeled on gravel for like four hours in stocks. Um, and then I did another, that was before it even started. Then he turned on the, you know, the show. That was just for his amusement. Oh, he wasn't even filming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that till later, you know. Then he had me in some, some kind of, um, Oh, it was like metal irons, like um, really heavy metal restraints, which lock your hands like this, and then they go around your neck. They're like old torture devices. Um, and then he had a chain attached to, like in between the hands of the neck, and he would like pull me up, so I was on my tippy toes, so I had to balance all of that. So this thing had your arms in front of your face, bound together, and then there was Manacles, a metal I think thing called, yeah. that, was, that was attaching from your neck to your arms, yeah. so you couldn't move either and one. And it never one. fit well. The metal always, I, ha I guess I was... Like he would either make them too tight or something, but the metal would always cut your skin. So when he closed it, he would lock it and it would cut your neck <laughs> and you would bleed. Like everything was painful. Everything was out of control. Like, and I don't like pain. I'm not, I'm not into that at all. So I'm uncomfortable from beginning to end. And he, and he creates these serious like situations and it's just more and more distress. Like as, and it builds up. So, all right. So he had you bound in this metal contraption and then he had a chain on there that he was hoisting you up with yeah. so that you're stuck standing on your toes yeah uncomfortable off balance oh. awkward so my legs are exhausted you know and it doesn't look that hard but how long was this going on for that was at least like an hour or two um and was he doing other things or well, was he's, just... you know he's coming around and he's getting a big long wooden stick that's like six feet long or something and he's like poking at me with it like you would let's say someone in who was being ridiculed and like and tortured and humiliated like jabbing you with this stick. yeah just like you were, it was it's like you're an animal or worse than that um is he, is he saying things to you? Is yeah. Oh, like, oh, oh, so pretty. So mocking. It's all mocking. It's not, um, this is when he went, he was no longer nice to me at all. Like, are you able that. to talk at this point? Or you I am, but I'm nice? super quiet. I'm not, I know that if I speak out of turn, then he, he, it was, I wasn't allowed to speak out of turn on this one. I had to repeat the question if I was asked a question before I answered it. So, um, I was on my best behavior. You can tell I'm very, I don't even recognize myself in it. I look so, um, I'm a different person in this video than I am. So now. what happens next? Um, so he, he proceeds to, you know, make me, this goes on for a while and it's, I'm trying really hard to, you know, but I look worn out um, and there's no faking it. Like I'm looking at the camera and people are asking me, Betty, what's, what's hurting now? And I'm saying, what's hurting now? Oh, the listeners are asking me this. Yeah. Um, and so I repeat the question and I sound like such a innocent, um, proper, like, like I'm trying so hard to be really good and but you can tell like I'm teary eyed the whole time. And I say, well, my arms are hurting really bad and my ankles, my back's hurting I, and I can't really stand. And, and they're like, what, um, what do you think is going to happen? And I, and, I, and I look scared and I say, what do I think is going to happen? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's like watching, like I am literally so fresh. They, everything they're doing is really like, really confusing to me. Like I don't understand I'm being humiliated. I don't understand why he would say something that would make me feel uncomfortable like that on camera. It doesn't make sense to me because I thought he was my friend. Mm -hmm. Like I was really confused. I did not know I was being taken advantage of on that level. And this was after you'd already done a number of shoots with this guy. Yeah, but he had never been, he was always somewhat, um, there was a connection between us. He was trying, he didn't, this, at he this just point stopped. he like lost all sense of humanity. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I was, just, yeah, I was a, a girl who used to work for insects and who was like leaving and was no longer adding to the situation and I rejected him. Um, and he, and I whined, I mean, I complained a lot. I was never good at, like, I didn't take, you know, girls who are submissive and into pain, masochists, and they, they're different. Like I, I could get, I'm sure it was annoying, you know, for, for people who worked on the shoots, but like, when it was like the light stuff, but I mean. Well, obviously he liked something about you because you kept bringing me back for one. I don't look at me talking myself down like that. Like I, I, like I, I was probably annoying when I took all that torture. Like what the fuck? <laughs> this is what it's done to me. Um, so it, anyway, so we, that was the first part. And then it transitions, you know, he then some of the clothes come off, um, but awkwardly, everything's awkward, you know. Um, he 
oh, oh then he had a noose. Um, he brings a, a noose out. Um, and there's no safety. There's no safety harness. There's no safety person to watch me in case I fall off these blocks of ice that I'm standing on. And oh, wow. yeah, and it's not a, it's a thin rope. It's a, it's a kind of rope that would break my neck. Like it wouldn't, I wouldn't struggle. I would like break my neck if I fell because I was exhausted and there was nobody there to catch me. They're 20 feet away. It was, it was really intense. This was a whole scene that was, it was meant for me to, um, he didn't like me. You could tell at that point he was, he was angry. So that goes on for a long time. I, he doesn't notice many times when I turn purple because he does it too tight and I, and my hands are also tied behind my back. You know, now on kink and like kink.com, they have rules like you can't be fully restrained. You always have to have a hand free. You always have to be able to say something or, I mean, every scene was completely gagged, hands behind the back, immobile, and at risk. Like, your life is at risk. Like, and it, and it didn't feel as much as it, it felt like my life was at risk during this one, especially when I watched it back. It was, like, super scary. Um, and he just gets more and more. He, then he starts fucking with the ice. The ice is melting. He kicks the blocks out so they go wider, and I'm, like, crying now, and I'm scared, and my head's being pulled up, and I'm purple. And he's, he says, you know what's going to happen when, you know, if you fall, right? You know what's going to happen. Like, he, he's fucking with me the whole time. And I know that because I do that to people in session all the time when I'm, the only difference is they're paying for it. It's consensual, but I get, I get that same way. Um, it's power. It's like, it's a, when someone gives you that much control over, or them or so much um, influence, like it, it gets, it can get out of hand, you know, it's weird. So anyway, then there's the news thing, which is too much. Um, and also there's no like safety, there's no hook, like the hook that they're connecting all this to doesn't have a latch. So if, if I were to like move too much, it could pop off, I could fall, like that's, I mean, all these things were done, like they were half-assed and they never were before. Um, so then what happens after that? He does, oh, he makes me, he, I have to pee, you know? So this is the first time I ever, I think, peed on camera. And I, and I pee and, and I had to pee really bad. And they didn't offer me any water or anything. Um, but I laugh because I feel like it's so silly. Like I kids, I don't understand like that it's supposed to be humiliating. I just think it's silly because I'm peeing in front of these people through my panties and it feels funny. And I'm still like a little kid and I'm trying to enjoy it like on some level, you know, and I feel, so I laugh and he says, he says, you think that's fucking funny? And the tone of his voice made me so scared. I don't know what it was, but I immediately like, you can see it on my face. It's like, like I was, I was conditioned to like I would stop being myself and I would get in line it never happened before that at this point was there any thought in your mind that this was too much and you just wanted to stop yes I had already uh, yes I was um I wanted to stop from the very beginning of this one and I and I said a few things that are in the 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 second version that's an hour longer the original version that they released and then they like shortened it edited it and put out a different one that didn't have these parts where I was like talking to him and you can't hear some of it um but you see looks on my face and I'm, and I'm saying, okay. And I'm agreeing with him. Um, I'm sure I'm saying things like I'm scared. I always said I'm scared. Um, and I say that later or like, are you sure I'm going to be okay? Um, you know, I don't feel very good things like that. And, but I was just, I was, I wasn't going to get out of it. I knew that. And I, and I didn't ask the way I should have probably said more so in the beginning, but, um, I just kept thinking it was going to end. He kept saying it wasn't going to be that bad and it kept getting worse and worse. Um, like hour six, he was like, he has me restrained in a lotus tie, which is like Indian style. Now this is six hours from the time you got put on the gravel or from the time you started filming? Um, I'm not sure. It was, um, I mean, all in all, I'd been there probably filming, probably filming. Um, it's a long time. And like, and it's tedious. It's quiet. All you hear is the, is the chat, you know, of that. And sometimes it gets real, like they would get real quiet on mine because it would get uncomfortable. This is the one where people were starting to feel weird things because I looked like I was not, I was not enjoying it. The other ones, I had a bit of a sparkle in my eye. Like I felt kind of like, 
And he's just laughing and having a great old time during all this. Yeah, he seems. Um, yeah, he seems like he's frustrated and he's trying to make it better. And then he acts a little bit like a like a bully. He's acting like a bully, you know, like, and he's mocking me when I'm saying things like, um, "Oh, that hurts," you know. But it's different because it's like when I'm saying that hurts, it means like I'm tied in this tie with my arms by my back for hours, and they're purple. I can't see them, but they're purple, and I can. They're starting to throb, and. And it feels wrong, you know, and, and I have this headache that's like so painful because my hair has been pulled back in this tie. And, and if I move my feet, then my hair, it's just, it was all tight. And it was so, he was a great rigger. I mean, he could tie amazing bondage, but I'm a big girl. And he, and he tied me in this tie that was, it was after being balancing on my legs all day long and being so tired and exhausted. It like, it fucked me up so bad. It hurt my, my hips were like, my legs have never been the same. My knees were fucked up. And so he hoists me up in this lotus tie, like 30 feet in the air. And there's nobody to watch me. There's, it's on a pulley, like one person holding it. He doesn't even have a tied off like a safety or anything. Um, and he's, and he's being, he's like, because I'm scared and he's, he's fucking with me. So he's pushing it and I'm like flying back and forth naked, uncomfortable, awkward, scared. Um, and he's laughing and it's being filmed, but it's like, it's not, there's no structure. This is never way off topic. Like that was not how we weren't, I didn't even know I was going to get suspended. Um, and then he gets out a stick, a big long stick with a dick on the end of it, like a dildo, and which is what he did every single time on some level or another, which by the way was a hard limit of mine, which was something I said I never wanted to do, which was anything inserted in me or penetrated or any anal stuff, anything sexual. Um, and he always would do it um, in a way that would disarm you or you wouldn't know that it was coming or like when you can't help that. And then, and it's, it's horrible because it's sex doesn't mix to me with this kind of torture because it's not like BDSM. It's not like I'm enjoying getting, I'm not a masochist. I'm not like wanting him to do things to me. I don't like extreme pain. Um, he's like breaking me down and, and you can tell that it's working. Like it's, it's really strange to see. It's a, it's, um, it's really fucked up. Like it's really crazy. And I just keep, I keep going with it because I don't want to disappoint anybody. And there's all these people watching and, um, and I've been abused my whole life, and this is what I end up. I, if this is what happens, like to people who have been abused their whole life, they meet somebody who knows that and takes advantage of it. Um, I mean, I was really great for business. <laughs> I was really great for business because I was really crying, and I was really, I really wanted it to stop. And that's what people wanted to see was torture. All right, well, we're going to cut to break real quick. Uh, we'll be right back with six and more of her story. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Rock Against Trafficking with Gary Miller. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also reach out via email to gmillermusic at gmail.com. Now, back to Rock Against Trafficking, the radio show. And we're back. You're listening to Rock Against Trafficking Radio with Gary Miller. I'm Jamie Gailey, and we're here with Vixen Six. Now, before we go any further, I wanted to give you a little info on the individual responsible for this story and his company. Uh, They were called Insex, and they were one of the biggest BDSM pornographic websites on the internet arguably one of the most extreme pornographic productions featuring what they call female submissives. It was also a leading innovator in both live video streaming, pioneering the concept before broadband internet 
access existed and in the depiction of BDSM practices on the internet. It existed from 1997 to 2005 and was run by Intersec Interactive Inc., a company owned by the website's creator Brent Scott, former Carnegie Mellon professor known as PD. That's the individual who did all these things that we're talking about here. Insects developed a cult following among BDSM enthusiasts due to its uncommonly severe and realistic depiction of sadomasochistic practices. It was also known for its interactive live feeds, which allowed members to make direct suggestions and requests. In late 2006, Insects ended the production of original material, citing increased pressure from conservatives within the U.S. Justice Department. Insects.com offered primarily two forms of content, live feeds, which could be watched through a live video stream and actively influenced in a simultaneous chat, and conventionally shot videos that were the basis of regular updates. Most of the live feeds were later edited and presented as downloadable videos. Additionally, Insects offered so-called tests, compiled videos of women who had explored BDSM play at the hands of a professional producer and then decided not to return after the first test shoot. The website also provided a message board for paying members that was frequented by the staff and several of the more prominent models. Commonly, the updates were between 30 and 90 minutes in length, while the live feeds usually lasted several hours. On some occasions, models were online in BDSM live events for as long as 48 hours continuously. During such long sessions, models had rest breaks in which they could answer questions from viewers that were relayed from the message board or chat room. The material included different aspects of BDSM, rope and metal bondage, heavy caning, flogging, and whipping, as well as needle play, intimate examination, erotic asphyxiation, gagging, humiliation, electric stimulation, torture, interrogation, human-animal role play, and it goes on and on, crucifixion, water torture, just a whole lot of stuff that I probably don't even want to mention on here. So basically, this was the very early stages of internet streaming and mm-hmm. so they would have yeah. you on there and the people that were watching could type in their responses and yeah. then it would have like the computerized voice yes. reading off to you what they were saying so you could hear it while that he was torturing you yes yes um and sometimes if they they would have a portion in which like one of the girls who was operating it would read them aloud so you could you could hear more clearly because it was very it was disorientating you know it was um it was a lot and it seems like they did a lot of stuff to dehumanize uh, the models. Like uh, it says here that the models didn't usually get stage names; they were given numbers. Yes, I mean that that is um that's the number one. I mean that's what this whole website was about was it was it was dehumanizing and, and breaking a person down. Um, and that I mean that's one of the main the main like points of of humiliation and um, mind control and things like that. But I mean this is these are people who are involving themselves on, on a level that they're consenting in the beginning, you know, or most of them they consented the entire time. It's just things were, I don't know. Some, some of them I'm sure were, were really into it because they were, they were masochists. And some of them, like they said, with the tests, they wouldn't come back because it was too much. But, um, the number thing was definitely, it was their date that they auditioned. Um, they would get a number. And, uh, I mean, that's. And so, but by giving you a, a name, that's kind of part of how they lured you in. right? Well, I felt so, so I felt really in. great that I had a name. <laughs> I mean, that's um, being named by someone is very, it's a very strange thing. Um, you feel a connection with them. Um, and the fact that they were giving me Betty Page, I associated with Betty Page because it was Betty and, and I had, you know, the, the hair and I was like, they did that specifically to make me feel like, you know, more confident and more like one of the favorites. And it worked, yeah. Until it didn't. Until it didn't. 
let's get into some of the things that actually happened during these live feeds. It started out okay for you. It sounds like it was maybe not very uh, pleasing, but it <laughs> but it was at least a little more durable at first, correct? Right. Well, it was something that I chose to do, and I felt proud because I had put myself in a situation where I was going to be, you know, I was chosen to make a lot of money for these shoots, and um, and I and I wanted to do well at it, and I and I, you know. I tried really hard, so it what was. Kind it wasn't. Were they were they paying at first? Um, it was a lot more than. I, mean, I don't remember what my first video was, but I know it would get up to thousands of dollars because the longer you went, or the more severe, you know, the um, the punishment, the more money you got. Um, so motivation was always to go as long as possible, especially at the end. They were really they started going really long. I mean, sometimes they would do like some of the girls did like a twenty four hour, like you know, being like uh, locked in a box type thing, and like. Um, just complete like fear things. It's everything based off of like people's fears, and um, and he would figure out what was you know what was it that bothered you, and then he would see if you could withstand it for a certain amount of money, or to, and he would he wouldn't it wouldn't be from monetary, like he wouldn't say it was you know I'm going to pay you this much money to do it. He would be like, you should challenge yourself, and this would be a spiritual. It would be like growing, you know, growth, and and you could see if you can you know come out stronger on the end. And it was it was a motivational thing, and at least that's what I thought. I felt like that for a little bit, but. I think, I don't know when that changed, but it definitely didn't feel like that at the end. Yeah, so as it started to get worse and worse and he started offering more and more money, then he also stopped respecting more boundaries and it got to the point where he completely would ignore your safe words. Yeah, I mean, and and this is over a period of time, like each, each shoot that I would do would be months apart, you know, so I would do one and it would be overwhelming, long um, and and exhausting and when I and each time there was a boundary that was pushed or a, something that I had set as a limit that was broken but it didn't seem in the end when I was done with it I was so happy that it was over that I would just be proud of the entire experience and I never really spoke up about it because I was I just wanted it to be oh it was over you know so yeah, I, right so then a month would go by and I would do it again and that's that is my fault for not saying anything because if I would have made a big deal about this in the beginning I probably would have never gone back but um because he didn't like people to challenge him either but each time the torture got more and more extreme and and then he presented um I mean there were unsafe situations there were a lot of things that like injuries and accidental things and you know and and those were always compensated with money or um now, was he doing these same things to other girls as well during this time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly specifically what happened to what girls, but I'm, on the documentary, it's called Graphic Sexual Horror. There is a definite pattern amongst the girls about things they're not into, their hard limits, and he did that. It was, you know, he would he would break those all the time. That's like a no-no. So, like, if you're in a, in a scene with in a pornographic situation or in a BDSM situation, you have your limits, and that means things that you will not do. And that's like, an, it should be, like, it's a vocal contract. It's So you're not supposed to do that, but he would do that, and he would... um start with taunting like so, like he was going to do that to you to scare you and then uh, I don't know when it changed but then it became doing those things you know and he would get you in a position where you were well, completely mobile, bound yeah, and yeah you immobilized you couldn't do anything about it yeah All right. and you would be and it was just weird because you start going in the mindset of someone who is who has no rights um, because you're scared to speak up you don't want to lose the money you don't want to be humiliated in front of everyone and sometimes you just think it'll be over in a minute so you might as well just get through it and like that's an unfortunate thing that happens and I'm I'm never happy that I've handled things that way but sometimes it felt better to just like when I could speak you know just try and withstand it because I didn't want to lose if I'd already gone six hours I didn't want to lose the money I had made you know because I couldn't take this last bit you know I've already been through so much you know but that's that wasn't probably a healthy way to think about it more often than not you would end up 
hospitalized? There were a couple times. Well, one time I had, it was a, definitely an urgent care visit um, for my toes because they were broken uh, from a shoot where I was suspended by my toes. Um, which I'm not- Broke all your toes? They were, yeah. I mean, I couldn't feel any of it to begin with because I already had nerve damage from a prior shoot. So I didn't, I mean, I felt pain, but I didn't know what was happening. Then the nerve damage is, I still don't have, you know, my, I still don't feel anything on my feet, the top of my feet. And that was from being in a cage too long. Like negligent things, things in which- like I'm saying it hurts and I'm in pain and ow and, and things like that. And, but I can't see that it's bruising and that, you know, I don't know what that means. I've never been in, I've never been in a cage for that many hours, you know, suspended. And, but everything was meant to be uncomfortable because it was a torture website. So I, I was assuming that he would know the amount of time you could spend doing something like that before you have permanent damage, you know, but I don't think that that even mattered at the end. Um, but you did, you mentioned, so when things got really bad, he had offered me a position as a resident model, which is what he would offer girls when he liked them. And you got your pay increased and you were, you would be like his personal slave kind of, I'm assuming I, that's what I thought it was, um, which meant, which just means like you are, He's his girlfriend in regards to BDSM. You'd be like one of his girlfriends that he would fool around with and do sexual things with. And But I never was interested on, on that level at all. I didn't want to be a slave. I didn't want to. I just wanted to make that money and, and then go home and try and enjoy my life. And I said no. And I think he just felt rejected. And I also told him I was moving home back to California. And this was after 9-11, I think. In New York, and so I was—I was, I was kind of like it was a stressful time. I wasn't very happy. I felt unsafe in New York, so I, I wanted to move back to California to live with my family. And he said, "We'll do a farewell shoot for you. It'll be called sabbatical because this is going to be your break, your time to get yourself together." And I think he was assuming I was coming back or something. But he made it seem like he was—it was a good choice. He was happy for me. And then he switched locations. A studio that we used the next time was completely different. It was bigger. The equipment was, he had some money involved at that point too. So it was more intense equipment. Like things were built specifically like for my body for that, like to restrain me or to torture me. Um, the ceilings were higher. So like when you got suspended, when you were suspended, it was like 30 feet in the air as opposed to like seven feet, you know, it was way more intense on every level. And that was the longest shoot I ever did. I did a pre-feed that was like four hours before they even started filming, you know, and, and that was endurance stuff. It was like, he was trying to, we found out that with me, um, I'm more scared of things. You don't actually have to hurt me. You have to scare me and work me up to a point with fear in which I'm completely like exhausted. It's not that hard to do, you know, in those situations, you know, with me. So what did they have you doing for this four hours before they began shooting? I was in, um, I was, I think it was wooden or metal. I don't remember, but stocks. I think they were wooden, heavy stocks, you know, um, around my neck and my wrists. That's how it started. And I was kneeling on gravel and um, glass and like, you know, broken things on a cement floor, and that's hard. That's that's extremely difficult. I mean, you start the the weight from the socks was so much to where it starts wearing. You know, it's putting weight on your knees. But then your knees, they, you can't be on the gravel, and you start using other muscles and things to like um, overcompensate for the pain. You're in, you know to make your to shift your body weight, and it, and you can't really do any of that after a while. And that was just just fuck with my head. I mean, that was just like sitting there in that room with the audio going of um like he would play stuff even when it was happening. Like so you would hear like there would be that weird radio voice, you know. Um, it was like a Siri, an, an old Siri. But you would hear that. Um, but other than that, it's silent. There's nothing else, just the, the flash of the camera when they're taking pictures. And um, and it's painfully, like, a long time. That's a long time to sit and just get through something, endure something, you know. Um, mm. And you can't stop it. I mean, you can stop it if you want to, I guess. But that was the time that it didn't matter. I I wanted to try and get through it because it was going to be a lot of money. And the pre-feed, I was already, I look visibly scared and exhausted. And there's no fun on my face in that at all. Like, I'm not, there's no smiling, you know, like just a lot of nervous laughter. 
And then we went to the metal restraints and being pulled up by the chain that's attached to the metal restraints. So I was on my tiptoes, but I have to balance. And that's also wearing down my legs. That was a couple like hours, I think. You were wearing shoes that made it so you had to stand on your tiptoes. Yeah, but he took those off and I, they were really uncomfortable shoes. And then when they, when I couldn't wear those anymore, he took them off and I was just barefoot. And that was almost worse because I had to stay on my tippy toes to balance. And, um, and the metal bar, the, it was like an old, I don't know what they're called, manacles, I think, but it was very heavy. And then he switched it or added another piece onto that. And, and, I, and, he ta- and I rolled me back on my tailbone. So I'm balancing on my tailbone. Like, it's awkward. It makes you feel like bumbly and uncomfortable. And, and he has that pulled up with the pulley as well. So I'm just balancing on my tailbone, which is so uncomfortable with all that weight. And it's a cement floor. And he starts poking and prodding and like, you know, and scaring me. So I rock back and I fall over and he's doing all these things to just, you know, make me feel less than, um, I mean, I know it was bondage and stuff and torture, but I really wanted to look pretty, (laughs) you know, none of these ever looked pretty. It was not like that. They were the worst things I'd ever seen of myself, you know, and I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but, um, but anyway, he continued. Then it was the noose on the, around the neck, which was frightening because there was no, when he put a noose around my neck, I thought like my hands are restrained behind my back. Um, they had been for hours, and um, and that's dangerous, number one. But then he, there's no um, safety harness. Like There's a way to do it. I saw him do this with other girls. He would attach something around their waist, too. So it would almost like alleviate the pressure. So you actually wouldn't like strangle or like die or like break your neck. But this was a really tight, um, rough like rope that was, it was so thin that it would have, um, you couldn't even see it. It was like so tight. It was hidden in my skin and it was pulling so tight and he would hoist me up enough to be on my tippy toes then. And then he made me stand on blocks of ice after I'd been doing all this endurance for so long. My legs were shaky. I could, I was slipping to the side. And if I would have fallen, um, nobody was paying attention. Like they were with the camera, but not up close. I mean, it's not like I would suffer, like hang, I would snap my neck. It was, it was very scary to me. And I didn't even think about that at the time. I was just worried that I was going to do a bad job. <laughs> I didn't want to disappoint anybody and I didn't looking back it's I mean it's a really like hard thing to watch you know because at one point he says you know what happens if you fall right don't fall you know what happens if you fall like I never thought he would that was anything serious <laughs> I don't think he, who would think that that was I just thought he was being silly like he was I mean I don't know what world I live in but <laughs> anyway it was that was a lot um and then after that he suspended me in that lotus position um and hoisted me 30 feet in the air and I'm scared of heights. And also, um, there's no safety latch on it. There's, so the hook is, which it's holding me up there is not, it's open. So, it, and he's pushing me so far, like, like it's a big swing of motion. And I mean, if, if something would have happened, I mean, I could have easily, that could have popped off and I would have like gone sailing through the air, like a cannonball tied up, you know, I mean, into the brick wall or something. And there was nobody watching. There was nobody, it wasn't tied off in a with a, like a safety. It was just, he was holding it and that was it. If he would have lost control of it. I mean, all of these things, and that's what was scary. So, I mean, by this point, I'm, I'm just, I've been crying for hours. <laughs> I'm teary-eyed, I'm confused, and every time he stops, I'm grateful, and I'm like, I'm kind of like, like giddy in a way. Like, I'm almost like, it was like hysterical. It was very weird. And I keep asking him if I'm okay. Like, I keep saying, I'm, you're sure that this is safe, right? You sure? Because I was very unsure of like, it felt, I think I was feeling his, um, his, what he was feeling, like he wasn't feeling like a friend. He was like, he had another one. So he didn't have my best interest in mind, but he, he was acting like he did. So I was feeling that insincerity. And I think that made me feel very unsafe. Um, like, like, you know, when you can tell something's wrong, but you just don't know what it is. Cause I didn't understand about people who would, I didn't know about humiliation. I didn't know people do things to make other people suffer like with, and then say they're doing something else. You know, I didn't know about, I'm just not, I, that wasn't something that I would ever, I don't know.
that seems really naive and gullible at this point. But so this has been like a long time so far. This is all a series of endurance and um, well, like six, eight hours. It was like definitely six. I think I don't I don't know the time really. And the video is the one that they end up putting out is only two hours. But they cut so much of it out. But so then I was released from the lotus position, and I, I was in so much pain at that point because it put so much pressure on your thighs, and my legs had been so tired all day that I couldn't even stand up when he untied me. I was my legs were shaking so bad, and I was unstable, and I was exhausted. And then he put me back in another with the manacle things where my arms are connected, and just to prepare me for the next scene, he had the man who recruited me, Barry, um, who I never liked. He always he would always take it far with girls in scenes that when they were working with Brent, he, whenever he had a free moment, he would come in and use, he would bring out his bull whip and he would whip them. And he scared the shit out of me because he, we had no connection. We had no, there was nothing okay between he and I. I didn't like him. Um, and he's, you hear the snap of the bull whip. Like when PD says, I'm going to set this up over here. I'm going to leave you right here, Betty. And then you hear the snap and it, nobody else operated a bull whip like, like that. Everybody else would do it and it didn't snap that hard. Like it was so intense and immediately I start crying <laughs> it's because I mean he laughs and you can hear it and, and he does this taunting thing um and I know that that's the whole point people would say that there's a you know but I'm like it's so real to me I like and he's got a feverish look in his eye and I remember he was just so excited because he was he feeds off my fear I mean he was turned on by fear um and and he's doing the bullwhip and he's hitting, he's going directly for my, my, my clit. Like it's crazy. It was crazy. And he, and he hits it quite a few times, but just the tip. And that's enough to fucking send so much pain. It's so painful. But before he does that, he terrorizes me for like 20 minutes. Um, and he's hitting me too. And then PD comes around and surprises me with a cane and goes for my feet, my bare feet with a cane, which is, was one of my hard limits, um, that I always stated. Uh, and he, he starts doing it without even, I don't even know what's going to happen. And I, and I'm overwhelmed. Like I'm terrorized. It looks like I'm having, like I go from being scared of Barry and then he comes here and I'm like, <gasps> like it's just so much. I'm, I look like I'm going to pass out from being so hysterical. And then he says, you have to choose which one you want. I'll stop caning. If you say, you know, you want the bull whip, but if you don't want the bull whip, then you want the cane. So you have to choose. He was making me choose. And that's, I do that to my slaves now. And that's a game that I play with them, um, which is crazy. But I, so I'm having to choose. And I said, I don't want to choose. I don't want either one. I don't want any of this. And I'm, this is when I'm starting to now protest about things that I don't want. And it's, it's not me joking. I'm not saying, it's not me saying no, but meaning I can take more. This is me saying, like, I don't like any of this. I don't want either one of these things. Um, and I'm begging. And he continues. He would always soften, like, if I, if I cried too much or if I, but he wasn't softening. Um, so they did that back and forth. And I'm, I'm hyperventilating and it's too much. And then somebody says something and he stops. Um, it wasn't to do with my safety. It was just in general. And then I go directly to the next scene, which is the one that I didn't remember um, at all. So, uh, which is, he had me, he had a metal bondage chair. It was like out of Hostel, the movie Hostel or something. It was a metal bondage chair that had, um, it didn't look like a chair, but I sat on it and then it had a piece, uh, this, this like a, right in the section where the, in the back part, in the middle of your back, there was a, a long extended piece that you could, he could slide back and forth. So it would push you to arch your back more, you know? So, it would force your body into this very uncomfortable position, but I mean, it was definitely for shock value. The way it looked was crazy. And my arms were staying down tied behind with straps, but they were always cut like the straps were right underneath the shoulder blades and it was cutting off circulation. So everything was, I couldn't feel anything. Um, my legs were at this point, I think they were down. Um, and I had a collar on that was one of those really high, the, the wide collars that cuts off. You can't breathe in them. They, they, 
they cut into your throat so you can't really speak and you can't breathe. And he puts it on so tight that I immediately go like blue and I start to lose consciousness and he doesn't even notice. Um, and I, I say, I can't breathe, you know. <laughs> and he looks and um, and he, he says, oh, you know, and he, and he undoes it so casually. And, it, and I remember like, I didn't remember any of this, but when I watched it, like a tear streams down my face because I'm. that's what happens when I pass out. Every time I've ever passed out from at the hands of someone else, <laughs> um, I always cry and I don't know. I wake up crying and the tear, it was just strange to watch myself look so helpless um, and waiting for this man to come and like, so I don't die, you know, so I don't, it, it was just bad. So he loosens it and then he starts to try and stick things in my mouth as a gag. Um, and nothing's fitting. He's doing it on purpose. He's putting things that are too big. Then he puts my panties that I pee. Oh, I forgot. I peed before that too. I had to pee and he made me pee on camera. And I'd never done that before. And he took my panties that I peed in and put them in my mouth, which was never okayed either. Um, it didn't bother me as much as one would think, but the fact that he thought it would bother me and he was doing it for that reason, it's also, I don't think that's legal. I think that's one of the rules <laughs> that they made because of all this was um, you can't stuff with pee. Like you can't, I'm not quite sure though, but um. So he does all that, and then he, he um, puts castration bands on my nipples, which are terrible. I mean, they're applied with, a, with like a pliers, kind of. They put it on this thing, and then they snap onto your nipple. Um, and he put two on each nipple, and he left them on for such a long time. Um, that's excruciating pain, and it just builds. All these things were building. Um, when he took it off, I looked like I had a, like I looked deformed. It was um, shocking to me. Like, I saw them. They were bleeding. They were cut, and they were... Um, they were like so much longer and the, the middle, it was like cutting to the, part of the nipple was like so thin. It was like, it looked like it was barely hanging on. It was like very scary to me. Um, and that, that was just, he tortured me in other, like just random ways, like the nipple things and stuff like that. But he was just setting me up for this end part. And I had already said my safe word um, after he removed, well, when he removed the castration bands, which was terrible and I'm screaming hysterical. And then he puts this gag in my mouth and, and it was an inflatable gag and it was, um, it was so it went through my my whole face is swollen with it I can't like move it all um and I started saying mm -mm then because I started panicking and mm -mm was my safe word so if you're a gagged lady and you need to get out of a scene you're supposed to say mm -mm, you know and they're supposed to acknowledge that um I mean everything sounds like that really when you're gagged but but it was it's obvious I mean he knew he already he every time I'd done that before he'd let me out um instantly with no hesitation like right away so this time I panicked and I said it right away um, before I even knew what we were doing because I couldn't breathe and he didn't stop and he and and like I realized well maybe he's going maybe he just wants to set this up like I should let him finish maybe I can calm myself down so I tried to calm down and I and I'm like a wild animal I have my head duct taped to the metal chair he's like duct taped it so I so I can't move it back and forth and I never thought of it at the time but that was my only remaining way to like say that I didn't want to do something or like that was all I had was to shake my head and I didn't notice it until like you can tell when I'm trying to shake my head and I'm looking like my eyes are so scared. I, I look like an animal, like, like a caged animal. Like I don't, um, and now he has my legs pulled back too. They're now up over in this, like a, like a horror movie gyne gynecologist kind of thing. Um, and he has, um, he takes these clamps and he first starts with regular like clamps that and he opens up my, my vagina with it. Um, which I'd never done before. None of this I'd ever done before. And it hurt, but then he, he picked ones, he took those off, and he got ones that were so much worse that had no, like, um, rubber, you know, on the ends of clamps. They usually have something so the metal doesn't bite into your skin. Well, these didn't have those anymore, and they were much wider. They were very wide, and they were, like, gnarly. They were, I mean, they cut into me. And he put those on, and I'm screaming. Every time he's administering, putting something on me, I'm, like, screaming and thrashing around. Um, 
saying, mm-mm, mm-mm. I mean, um, and then he puts a speculum in me um, and opens up my vagina. And it's so, when I saw this, I was like, like, I, I don't remember any of this. That's what's so shocking. But I could see, and it was so wide. It was just, it was not necessary. Like, none, I'm, none of it's necessary, I guess. But, like, he was definitely getting off on it. Um, Thank you for listening this week to Rock Against Trafficking. The mission of Rock Against Trafficking, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, is to bring awareness and to combat global human trafficking through the power and influence of music, the arts, and entertainment. Join Gary Miller again live next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time for another program on the Voice America Influencers Channel. For more information about Rock Against Trafficking, visit rockagainsttrafficking.org.